Welcome to Building the Future, Freedom, Prosperity, and Foreign Policy, a podcast series focused on updating the United States soft power playbook to meet the hopes and aspirations of developing countries because it's in America's interest to do so. I'm Dan Rundy, Senior Vice President at CSIS. There are a lot of global challenges out there, so let's get started. to another episode of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Today, I'm joined by my friend Andrew Mack. He's the founder and CEO of Agromovil. Andrew founded Agromovil with the goal of connecting small farmers with markets around the world. Agromovil is currently operating in Colombia, Tanzania, Ghana, and is continuing to grow. He has a BA from Amherst and a Master's in International Affairs from Hopkins at the School of Advanced International Studies. Andrew previously worked at the World Bank. He also has had a very successful career in development consulting. He worked for the Development Finance International, and he ran, he's run something called AM Global Consulting. But he's the, currently, his day job is running Agromobil, and I'm really happy he's made time to be with us today. Andrew, thanks for joining Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it very much. Good to see you. What is Agromovil and what do people need to know about it? Because I know it's important, but I want my listeners to know why it's important. Agromovil is a tech platform that helps connect small farmers with markets around the world. Three pieces, an app that allows buyers and sellers to meet each other. So allowing a small farmer to post goods for sale quickly, easily, and have buyers see them. Messaging to keep the conversation going between the supply chain and farmers at the edge. And backend analytics that allows people who are looking to try to understand what the shape of the market looks like to be able to see it at scale. So simple three-piece platform. It was designed with farmers in the field to try to reach them where they are with the least amount of friction possible. So imagine sitting around in those little white plastic chairs in circles with farmers in their community centers and in their schools out in the rural areas and um, designed to be super simple to get onto, which one of the things that's the most important so that you could set up your profile in five minutes and you can post goods for sale in 30 seconds. The key thing is to create market visibility so that the 30% of all the goods that aren't currently making it into the marketplace get there. And so people can get better prices for their goods, make small ag more sustainable, successful, all that kind of stuff. Why did you start Agrimobile? So like you, I've worked all around the world, I think probably at this point, maybe 80 different countries. And one of the things that you see everywhere you go is this same image, the small farmer sitting by the side of the road, big bag of stuff. And you, you know, I mean, going bad, literally the hard work of their hands, the economic future of their families going bad in the hot sun, right? How many times have I seen that? Hundreds, thousands of times in every country you go to, right? So I was sitting by the side of the road with doing a project back in the day with Chevron on road safety, the World Bank. And we were talking with these farmers and they had these, they had their new cell phones. I think you can see it. They had their new cell phones, but they were sitting there. Trucks were passing them, whizzing past markets in the distance. There was no visibility between them. So I looked at this and said, wow, we've got to figure out if there's a possibility to really move the needle on this. This seems like such a miss went back to the office and started to look at it in depth. You're talking about $350 billion worth of loss to small farmers around the world and to all the people that want to buy from them and want to work with them. Of that 350 or so, you're talking about perhaps $100 billion of food that is pulled out of the ground that never even gets sold. So imagine 
30% of the work that you're doing not even getting paid for. And then you add to that the fact that whether you're talking about farm farming being the largest employer in the world, about a billion and a half people working in the small farm economies, or you know, the impact on climate, on forced migration, on all of the different things that are kind of plaguing it, food security, right? We thought this was an important issue to try to, to tackle. The key thing is, if you want to reach anybody at scale, you need to make it really, really simple. So we took our model from Google, if you will, to do the first things really, really well and make it easy for people to get on and then build out from there. And uh, you go to the Google front page, you know exactly what you're doing. You go to the Yahoo front page, you got a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of the other. There's a reason why Google has become a verb and Yahoo never did. Right. It was too complicated. Too complicated. Yes, sir. Why is this timely today? Well, I mean, think about it. We live in an era of tremendous food insecurity, right? You got the war against Ukraine with all of the impacts on fertilizer prices and gas prices and all of that kind of stuff that goes into producing goods. Plus, you've got expanding world population. We're going to need to increase the amount of food that's on the world's tables by 50% over the next few years, just at current population growth levels, right? And then you've got a lot of places on Earth that are coming offline, not going online. And then you think about the amount of people who are in the small ag sector. I mean, it is the largest employer everywhere we go. And in the countries that we're working in, Colombia, Tanzania, Ghana, I mean, small ag is a huge portion of the voters, a huge portion of the consumers in each of those countries. So what makes AgriMobile innovative compared to the existing marketplace? Well, a lot of the things that are going on currently are either uh, nicer uh, intermediary schemes or they're very, very complex, right? Most of them are aimed at the very top of the market, so the whole foods consumer and things like that, uh, as opposed to working with the smaller farmers at scale and helping them get into the market. We looked at a number of other platforms that were being launched before we started on AgriMobile and as we've been developing it, and each of them seems more and more complex. I mean, that, you know, you look at ones, WeFarm is an example of one that was started in, in East Africa. It was tremendously complicated. I speak four languages and have a master's and I couldn't suss it out. And we know that it's the kind of thing where a small farmer, if we want to get them engaged at scale, it has to be super simple. It has to be really low friction. It has to be the kind of thing that is going to be easy for people to use so that they can adopt it. And so most importantly, Dan, they can explain it to their friends because you're never going to reach large numbers of small farmers through advertising. They're going to have to tell their friends, this is working. This is great. This is exciting. How does this exactly work? I can think of like, for example, I was given a demonstration one time of Mpesa, uh -huh. which is also kind of elegantly simple and also technology contextually appropriate. If I, you know, it's not the most whiz bangy of technology. It's actually boringly accessible and simple technology for sort of like a 2G cell phone that's not a smartphone. And it works really super well. So how does the business model work? And how does it work in terms of some of like a tech, you know, the, the face of it? You talked a little bit about like the simplicity of it. Talk about how the business model works and then how does the technology play into it? So the business model is designed to be very simple. And so is the technology. Okay, the business model, we're free to the farmer forever. We want to make sure we get as many farmers up as we possibly can. Right now around the world, 95 to 98% of all the small farmers that are producing are outside the data wall. And that has all kinds of implications, right? Imagine 95% means nobody knows anything about it. They talk about how you uh, we haven't mapped the seafloor, right? We don't have any idea 
who is producing, where they're producing, when they're producing, whether they're men or women, whether they're young or old. We really don't have that kind of market data. But what we know is we know that over the course of the next five years, there will be no more dumb phones. We're all moving into a smartphone world, and that's good news if the technology is simple enough so that the farmers can use it themselves. They have the ability with a smartphone to signal the market and to tell people where they are, that they're available, when their goods are going to be ready, what quantity, all of that through AgriMobile. The key thing is that it is very, very simple. So the business model works for everybody on the back end. We get paid with people on the, on the back end who want to see markets at scale. Processors, exporters, buyers like Guinness that we're working with in Ghana, cooperatives and financial institutions that want to reach farmers in large numbers. We do data subscriptions with them. We do you know data enterprise products with them, but it's free for the farmers. And it makes it easy for them to get on. And what uh, give you an example about what we're doing with Ghana, for example, with Guinness. Guinness is a big brewer, as you may know. I'm a big yeah. fan of their products. We love them. So they brew regionally in a lot of different countries. Guinness works in Ghana with 30,000 farmers of sorghum wow. and millet. Yeah, imagine 30,000. They work through a, a group of 20 aggregator associations. But Guinness needs to know what's going on in the marketplace because if they don't, they've got all kinds of problems. So they want to capacitate their supply chain. They want to be able to see what's happening at the edge. And at the same time, they want to be able to pull data so they can make buying decisions, so that they can manage risk, and so that they can track the impact that they're having. So we work with people like Guinness and their aggregators to be able to see the field so that they can understand what's going on, so that they can avoid negative surprises. Imagine a couple of years ago, Guinness at the end of a particularly rough growing season found out that they were almost 20% below the amount of sorghum that they expected. So wow. what does that mean? That means that they're either buying on the spot market or that means that they are actually not brewing beer. And you know, you don't make money if you're not brewing beer, right? So our goal is to work with large supply chain holders, large people who are interested in lighting up export markets and including in the small farmers. We're in contact with and working with large producer federations, with large supermarket chains. So I'm on my way down to Colombia to meet up with Exito and some of the other supermarket chains that are down there a couple of weeks from now. And also working with cooperatives that are servicing the export market. In Tanzania, we had, we had a great experience with a, about a 6,000 person Tanzanian cooperative that wanted to export to India, right? And we went, we met them in July during our last chance to, to spend time in the field in a place like Njombe. And to give you a sense, Dan, of how urgent this is for the farmer, right, of their 6,000 members, about 530 showed up to see us. Whoa. They are that excited about and also concerned about market access. So 530 farmers showed up in this great big hall to come and see us talk, to talk about what we were trying to do, to show that they were interested. Their leader went off to India, and as part of his value proposition, he said, we can show you where goods are in the pipeline using this new platform. Because our members, this is the big innovation, our members are actually putting the data on the platform themselves. When they raise their hand, pushing their goods into the marketplace, when they post their goods, they're able to show what they've got. Right. And so he was able to say to these Indian buyers, hey, I will know exactly how we're going to fill up these 40 containers. He came back with an order for 40 containers of goods. That's amazing. OK, it's clearly the model can be scaled. How do you vision the model being scaled and what are the implications of it being scaled? 
we've already gotten interest from, I don't know, another dozen countries. And scaling is pretty easy, as opposed to an awful lot of the other platforms that we've seen. Our goal is not to work through large numbers of field agents, for example. Okay, so we can get into the market really, really quickly. We work with organizations that are already trust engines your cooperative, your credit union, your supply chain. So we come in as a friend of an existing trust agent. So that's one thing, right? And it's easy enough so that 20% of all the people that we are working with in Ghana were trained you know, by their own aggregators, by their own lead farmers. We weren't in the room. We weren't a part of it in any way. Training is super, super simple. It's about 30 minutes to explain the whole thing soup to nuts. So it's not difficult at all. It's five minutes to set it up. It's 30 seconds to post a good for sale so that you can be seen by the marketplace. The key problem is visibility. And that visibility problem can only be solved if you can make a connection to the marketplace really quickly, really easily. And I think that that's what we've done. If you think about it, almost everybody is trying to pull data to the center. The supply chain is trying to reach out and say, well, then, and ping their suppliers and saying, hey, where are you? Where are you? We want it to be the exact opposite way, to make it as easy as possible for the farmers themselves in the course of doing the thing that they most want to do, which is be seen and sell their goods, to raise their hand and say, here we are. We got it. This is, you know, we'll tell you we have avocados. They're going to be ready in three weeks or we've got avocados that we're planting. Now they're going to be ready in three months. This is the quantity. This is where they're going to be. Boom. Simple, straightforward. So how are you guys funded? Do you have grant monies? How does that work? We are a combination. We've got some investment finance. We've got some grants from USDA and USAID. We've had wonderful relationships with both aid and uh, the uh, USDA's yeah. Foreign Agricultural Service, as well as USAID. They're very much, I mean, you can imagine their hair on fire trying to address issues of women's empowerment and food security and rural livelihoods and economic development and things like that. There is also, as you mentioned earlier, a huge national security aspect to all of this because, I mean, you know, it's fair to say that food security at this point is national security. You know, we went through an era when I, I feel like in a lot of ways, like where we are right now is where we were 15 years ago around energy. We're at a point where food is really the linchpin. It's really the tipping point. If you don't measure, you don't know. We've got all these new people who are coming on with new smartphones. They're going to have the ability to be seen. And we're crazy if we don't try to understand where things are in the pipeline, right? We want to be able to reward our allies. We want to be able to make them solid. We also know that there's a lot of competition for food and competition around food in the marketplace. There's also competition between Huawei and other producers of and suppliers of cell phones and data. And in an increasingly geopolitically competitive world, there are a lot of good arguments that say that the United States has a huge interest in both understanding where the food is and making sure that that information about that food is being captured on US-friendly platforms where we can see U.S. companies, U.S. policymakers, and our friends can see what's going on and can make sure that we make these countries successful if they're agricultural producers or if they're countries that need food aid. No, this makes a ton of sense. So, Andrew, this is amazing. Agromobile, if I want to learn more about it, where do I go? Go to www.agromobile.co. We also have a lot on LinkedIn and Instagram, and there's a fair amount out there. Good. Okay. Well, look, I'm really excited about this, Andrew. I think this is really inspiring and impressive. Thanks for coming on today on Building the Future with Dan Rundy. I want to congratulate you on the progress so far. Let's have you back on in a year or so. Give us an update sometime in 2024. I'm optimistic you're going to be growing a lot. 
But we're really excited about it, Dan. You know, we know this is very high on the agenda of all sides of the political spectrum. Everybody wants to see agriculture grow. They want to see farming grow. We'd love to bring this technology to the United States. There are many parts of the United States that, that have similar market access challenges to Colombia or even parts of Africa. And we'd like to see this grow around the world. It's straightforward and simple enough. I think it can. I love it. Congratulations. Thanks, Dan. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 